you have your Bibles this morning and would, turn with me to the book of John chapter 5. Uh, we're continuing on our series on uh, keywords. A couple weeks ago, we had Frank Webster with us, and he, of course, is a member of our church, but also is our Missouri Missions Director, and so he was here with us. And last week, we had uh, Jake and Stephanie Flagel, and of course, want to thank you uh, for your generosity toward them. We were able to give them uh, over $1,000 to help them get on their way to uh, to their uh, mission field. If you weren't here last week and you would like to help them, uh, you can come see us and we'll make sure uh, that any gift you want to give uh, gets to them. Uh, but we've kind of had a little bit of break in here, so I want to review a little bit. We've been talking about in John chapter 5, there's a story or an account, uh, rather, of a man who was healed at this pool outside the Sheep Gate in Jerusalem, which was kind of on the northern end of the city. Um, and it was the, they were called the, the Pool of Bethesda by outside the Sheep Gate. And this guy's sitting there for, for a long time, and, and, uh, and Jesus sees him and, and, and knew that he'd been sick for a long time. And so he stops, and he, he talks to him, and he winds up healing him. And so in the course of this series, we've been looking at key words, words that we might otherwise just kind of gloss over, but stopping and digging in a little bit deeper into the text and thinking about the things that, that are being said in the words. Because a lot of times when we're reading through the scriptures, we might try to pull out these big ideas or these big concepts, but sometimes if we'll just stop and meditate on it, if we'll think about the words and maybe just look at each and every word that's written, there may be something within that text that resonates within us that we may otherwise just simply gloss over. And so this is kind of a series that came from that type of, of, of study, of that type of looking, of just reading the words and just trying and, and realizing that there's so much more to the text than just about this guy getting healed. And so if you have your Bibles, John chapter five, uh, we'll begin reading uh, in verse two. Let me say this too, while you're following along. If you've got a King James or a new King James, you're gonna be able to follow along seamlessly. However, there's around verse four, uh, if you have a newer translation, um, you may have to go to a footnote in the bottom of your page. And the reason for that is, in the oldest manuscripts we have of the Gospel of John, these verses were not written by the original scribes that, that copied the text, which leads us to believe that John didn't actually write these words, but at a later point, somebody came in to fill in some gaps on why people came to the Pool of Bethesda. So it doesn't take away from it. It's not really adding to it. Just a scribe somewhere along the line said, hey, I think there needs to be a little bit more information as we translate this for people who are reading it. And so we have these kind of subtext in if you have one of the newer translations. So John chapter five, verse two says, now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool an Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And they were waiting uh, for the moving of the water for an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons of the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. Now let me stop right here for just a minute and let me say this. It was not a literal angel of the Lord that came down and stirred these waters. There was some sort of... of um, superstition or some sort of belief that, that maybe in reality, there may have been a spring somewhat associated with these pools that would stir the water sometimes, but it wasn't a literal angel of the Lord that came, but there was a belief held among the people of that city 
that if they would come and they were the first ones in when the waters stirred, that they would be healed of whatever disease that they had. And so let, let's continue reading here in verse five. It said, one man who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now, this isn't so much a question as it was an offer. He's looking at this man, he's saying, hey, I'm offering you today, do you wanna be healed? And if you're asking me, I'm going, yes, like I just wanna be healed, but look what this guy says. The man answered and says, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water's stirred up, and while I'm going down, another steps down before me. And Jesus said, he says to him, he just looks at the man and says, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And once the man, and at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, Lord, that you are a God of miracles. The Lord, there is nothing. Your word tells us, Father, that there is nothing that is impossible with you. It may be impossible for us. It may be impossible for somebody else, but God, it is, it is, with you, anything is possible. And God, as we read these accounts in the scriptures, let us be reminded that these are not fairy tales. These are not uh, wishful thinking. It's not some circumstance where a guy had some mysterious ailment and in an act of pure coincidence that, that he became well. This is not a staged actor in a group that came in, quote unquote, saying he was sick. And all of a sudden Jesus says something and just for the, the, the flash and the bang and the, and the show, he was made well. God, this was a man who was legitimately lame. He was an invalid. And by your word, he was healed. And you are the same miracle worker today as you were back then. Lord, nothing in you has changed. And Lord, we need to be reminded of that this morning, that God, you still work miracles. And so Father, we pray today that Lord, some of us came in with heavy hearts and we just need, it. We just need you to move in some way. It may be emotionally, it may be spiritually, it may be mentally, it may be physically, but God, we need you to move. God, I pray that you would give us eyes to see your working, Lord. When a situation like this, it's so easy for us to see what you have done for this guy. But Lord, sometimes what you desire to do in us isn't necessarily physical in nature, but it may be spiritual in nature. But God, you reveal to us the very thing we need to know about you to help, us get us, get us, to help get us through this season of life. And so, Father, we pray that as we study your word this morning and we unpack it, Father, that you would just speak to us where we need to be spoken to. That, God, maybe this morning it's some conviction about some, some actions or some things that we're doing or, or maybe even some things we're not doing and should be. God, I pray that if, if we just find ourselves in the struggle this morning, that, God, by, by people looking at us, they may not see anything going on, but, God, maybe inside, like, we're just struggling and we're hurting God, I pray you would speak to us that, God, you are everything we need. That, Lord, whether we're in the valley or on the mountaintop, God, that we, would, that we would choose to praise your name, God, because you are good. So, Father, we thank you this morning. We praise you this morning, God. We have so much to be thankful for as your people. God, help us to see that and help us to give you the praise that you are due. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I mean, just a little bit of review before we dive in this morning. Key words that all kind of begin with this W word. And so the first week we spent some time looking at uh, whoever or, or, or whosoever, that Jesus can save 
whoever, that anyone can be saved, and if anyone can be saved, that Jesus desires for everyone to be saved, but the only one who can save is Jesus. We talked about how God can reach whosoever, that God, can, that God can, can use whosoever, that he can use me and you and anybody else. He can use us. Then we talked about whatsoever, this idea that whatever it is that we're dealing with, whatever it is we're going through, that God can, that God can redeem it, God can remove our, our sin, that God can redeem our lives, that God can repair what's broken, and that God can restore it. And, and that idea behind repair and restore, repair, I can repair my car, I can fix what's broken, or I can restore it and I can make it like new. And Jesus has told us, he takes the old heart and makes us new that we were, what we, we were, the old is gone and the new has come, that he restores. And then this week we're gonna talk about whatever, or sorry, wherever. And the big idea here is that Jesus meets us wherever we are. And so there's a few things I wanna share with you this morning. Number one, as we read this story, I want you to notice that Jesus met this guy where he was that Jesus met this guy where he was. He did, not, he did not go to the guy and say, oh yeah, hey, do you wanna be made well? Oh yeah, you do? Okay, well come to the synagogue at 9 a.m. On, on, on the Sabbath and I'll meet you there. That Jesus, that Jesus goes, he's, he's walking through. And here's the thing, this is so incredible to me. He's walking, he sees the guy and look what it says in, in verse six. When Jesus saw him lying there, and, and knew that he had been there a long time. That's amazing to me that Jesus sees this guy and as soon as he sees him, in his, in his wisdom, in his knowledge, he knows exactly what's going on with this guy, he knows exactly what's wrong with him, knows exactly how long he's been sick. He knows exactly how long he's been waiting beside this pool, waiting for someone to come along and make him well. He knew everything and he looks at the guy and he says, do you wanna be made well? And it reminds me of a story in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis around chapter 16 where you guys remember Abraham and Abraham was married to Sarah and Jesus and God had, had promised to have him a son and they got impatient. And so Sarah goes, hey, here's my handmaiden Hagar. I want you to be with her and you can have a child and, and, and we'll kind of short, short, um, take a shortcut to what God's plan is. And then Hagar gets pregnant, she gives, she's getting ready to give birth, and Sarah's getting jealous. All this to say that they wind up you know, telling Hagar to get lost. And as she's kind of wandering, she's, she, an angel of the Lord visits her, and she cries out to God, and she, say, and she calls God the name, the God who sees, the God who sees me. And here's the reality this morning. That name for God has not changed from Genesis chapter 16 to February 2020, that we serve a God who sees, that he doesn't see what we allow him to see. See, we're guilty of that, aren't we? That we allow people to see just what we want them to see. We only show them what the, you know, the good sides. We, you know, we, don't wanna, we don't wanna sound weird. We don't want to sound like we're losing our minds or anything. We don't want people to think that, man, maybe I'm not the Christian that I, that I, that I thought that I want to be. And so what do we do? We pretend to be the Christians that we want to be. We pretend there's nothing else going on. And the reality is that in every single one of our lives, there is something going on that we need other people in the church to come alongside us and help us with. 
that there's something going on in our lives that maybe we've never confessed to the Lord and say, God, I am struggling in this area. Like, I, it is hard for me. I am struggling. It hurts. It, it's hard. It's, it's whatever. I'm discouraged. And we don't say anything. He already knows. He sees us and he knows what is wrong. And see, it's much deeper than even what this guy, anybody could have looked at this guy and said, you know what? This guy's an invalid. Like he can't walk. There's obviously something wrong with him. But Jesus also knew there was something a lot deeper wrong with him. If you guys missed Jake and Stephanie last week, Jake and Stephanie, Jake made this comment that, that, what, you know, that, that God has this, 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 this plan, it, or this, this, his goal is that it's his, God's active pursuit of the restoration of his fellowship with man. That God's purpose is that to restore fellowship with man, with his creation. And so there's this physical need that this man has, but Jesus is gonna use this physical need to, a, to address his spiritual condition. We're gonna talk more about that in a little bit. But the big idea here is that God sees what's going on in this man's life and, and Jesus can do something about it. And we sang a song this morning that, that it was more than enough. And you know what? Whatever your condition is, Jesus is more than enough to address the need. He already knows what that need is, but more than that, he has the power to do what is needed in your circumstance. That it's not a hopeful being like, well, I'm gonna toss this up and maybe it'll stick. I can pray and know that God has the ability to do that which I am asking. In fact, Paul writes to us and says that he is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever hope or imagine. And sometimes my plans are pretty grand, but the Bible tells me that Jesus can do more than that. So what do we do? We pray like it depends on God. And then we, and we just say, Lord, what do I need to do in this situation? What must I do? Because we have a role to play in that sometimes. But Jesus met the guy where he was but here's the thing, Jesus didn't leave him as he was. And that's the thing we've always got to remember, that Jesus comes, he meets him, but he didn't leave him where he was at physically. Hey, do you wanna be made well? And the guy says, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, he's got some excuse about why this water hasn't already made him well. But Jesus says, you wanna be made well? And he says, yeah, I want you to get up in your mat. But he doesn't, so he doesn't leave him where he's at physically. He heals him, but he also doesn't leave him where he's at spiritually. Because later on in the chapter, the, he, the guy approaches him after an encounter with the Pharisees. Jesus and him cross paths again. And he makes this comment to him. He says something along the lines of, hey, when you, when you start living, I want you to go and sin no more so that nothing worse may happen to you. And so there's this, this connection to what Jesus does to him physically so that, he can, so that he can address something spiritual in his life. The same thing happens to us. And so Jesus meets this guy where he's at. And I've, said, I've kind of alluded to this already, but the second thing I want us to take home today is this, that God meets us where we are at. Where we're at. Where we are right now. Here's the beautiful thing about our lives. Jesus knows what we were. Like he knows what we were before Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you've not entered into a faith relationship with him. He knows where you're at right now. 
So he knows where we were. He knows what we've done. He knows where we are right now. But Jesus also can see what we can become what we can become. He sees what we're enduring now, what we're suffering through, but he has the, he has the, 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 the future sight of being able to see what things look like when we walk through this season of life. I was talking to someone the other day who said, man, I just feel like I'm in a rough season. You know, I feel like there's some things that I'm finding myself doing that don't really line up with, 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 with the things that I feel like God has gifted me to do. And I said, man, it's just a season. It's a season where God is taking you to do, to, to, to really, it was a vision. I don't take that the wrong way, but he had it in his mind what he wanted something else to look like. And so God kind of had him on a detour to help get some situations resolved somewhere else. But in the meantime, it was taking him away from, from what he really felt like his heart was. And you know, there are times that, that God will, will, will do those things for a season where we feel like we have a season of difficulty. And instead of looking at it as a season of difficulty, look at it as a season of learning. What is God trying to teach me in this season of difficulty, in this season where things are hard? What is God trying to teach me? Because I, Danny Clark's famous for saying this, God never wastes a hurt and he does not waste one. Now, sometimes we waste them and getting the woe is me, everything's bad, nothing's getting better, and we have this season of difficulty when we should take a step back and say, okay, Lord, this is obviously some sort of fiery trial, as, as, as Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1. This is difficult, it is hard, but your word says that these difficulties are fires that refine my faith that these are times that, that you reveal to me some great truth about you that I need to know about your sustenance or your provision or about your power or your might or what you wanna do. And so God, I'm, I wanna learn about you what you want me to learn about you in this season. Because you know what? When we're not focusing on the hurt, it's a lot easier to not, to not spend our time dwelling on it. We can look to something else and the hurts begin to fall by the wayside. But man, it's so easy for us, isn't it? To sit and look at our current condition and, 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 you know, and just dwell on that. Say, this is, what, you know, this is all that's going on and I can't get past it. And instead, look at what God might be doing of opportunities that God might be giving you through this difficult season that may help you lead someone else to the Lord or be a witness to somebody else or encourage someone else who is beginning to walk through the same type of thing. And you're able to step back and say, well, man, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of it. And let me tell you something I've learned about God in the midst of this. And all of a sudden, you know, God comforts in ways that we could never even begin to imagine. But listen, don't think for a moment that God does not see where you're at that God does not see what you are going through. And don't think for a second that God is not in some way working on your behalf to arrive at a, at a, at a what I would call a God solution. But we've got to remember that, that there's, it's not, a, it's not, that you've got God, but you've also got a real enemy. And we don't talk about this a whole lot because it's really not one of them feel good things, but we have a real enemy. And that enemy, Satan, wants to keep us down, like he wants to. And sometimes we make that really easy for him. Like we make it really easy for him. 
Like he doesn't even have to do anything. And, and, we, and he just looks at us and like, we stay, we stay down. And so we've got to understand when God's trying to move, like Satan's not standing back and go, okay, God, it's your turn. He's going to be fighting every movement of God tooth and nail. I remember talking to some people at various times over the years saying, you know, like, you know, I'm starting to live my life for the Lord and I'm committed to him. But man, every time I take a step forward, it feels like I'm taking two steps back. And I'm like, yeah, Satan's not going to just stand by and let you just waltz right into waltz right into a great relationship with the Lord and not try to put up a fight. He wants to destroy you. Like, and, and we say that and we don't really think about it, but Satan literally wants to destroy you. If he will take you to hell with him in a moment, if you'll let him. And so we've got to focus on, on what, but, but here, let's go back. Jesus sees where you are at right now, but he does not want you to stay where you are, Right? Like he doesn't say, like sometimes, man, for, if, if, I'm going to tell on myself. (sighs) Oh boy. You guys know me. I've been here a long time. If I'm weak in an area, I'm just going to be honest with you, and I'm not proud of this, so don't, this isn't. If I'm weak in an area, man, I am weak. I feel like I'm weak in that compassion and mercy showing. Like I'm just, I'm weak in there. It's not an excuse for not doing it. It's just something I need God to work in me about. Like I need, I, that's what I need. You, so that's something specific. You can pray for me, okay? I'm scared to ask that because it's like patience. When you pray for patience, you have an opportunity to practice patience. Not that God just says, boom, now you're a patient person. But let me explain what God's not like. God's not like us when we're pulling off the interstate somewhere and there's a hitchhiker and they need to ride somewhere and we look on them and we say, oh, that's too bad for them. And then their light turns green and we drive off. You know what I'm saying? I think sometimes if we're not careful that sometimes this imagery that we have of the Lord, that he's busy doing other things and he sees us and he says, oh, that's sad. But then he gets busy doing other things and off he goes. And sometimes we do that too. Like we have compassion, but we get busy and we forget and we drive the light turn green and we drive off. Jesus is not like that. It's not like he sees you and he says, oh, that's sad. I wish I could do something for them, but it's just not safe. And then the light turns green and he drives off. That's not Jesus at all. In fact, it's the opposite. Jesus sees our need and he is actively working in your life to to meet that need that you have. But I will say this, there's some of you that Jesus needs to do something in your life that only he can do. There's others of you that Jesus wants to do something in your life and you simply won't let him. He's looking at you and he's saying, do you want to be made well? And you're looking at him in the face and you're looking at him and saying no. Now you're not saying it, but you are saying it by your actions in living in rebellion to the way that God has called you to live. You want things to be better, but you're not willing to do the things that God requires of you for those things to get better. You know what I'm saying? It's like that definition of insanity, of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And we do that. Like we pray, we pray that God would make a situation better, but we're doing the very things that are making that situation bad to begin with. Can you imagine this invalid coming to Jesus Jesus saying, hey, you wanna be made well? And the guy just looks at him and says, no. But he's by the water waiting for the waters to stir so that he can be made well. 
Like there's, a, there's an insanity there, is there not? Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And the guy's looking at the water and he's saying, yeah, but. And Jesus is going, hey, do you want to be made well? And you're looking everywhere else and you're going, yeah, but. And Jesus is saying clearly to you, this is what needs to be done. And you just look at him and you go, no. Or you know what needs to be done and you turn your back on it and you do what you want to do and you wonder why there continues to be brokenness in your life. Folks, that doesn't make sense. Jesus is enough, but you gotta give him the chance. Amen. You can't pray to him and then turn your back and do everything against the way that he calls us to live our lives and want things to be good. Well, I prayed to God, but you didn't listen to the response. Folks, there's something broken there. Jesus sees us. And he's asking us, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? But he doesn't want to leave us where we are. He doesn't want to leave us where we are. Doesn't want to leave us where we are physically. Doesn't want to leave us where we are spiritually. Doesn't want to leave us where we are mentally. Doesn't want to leave us where we are emotionally. Jesus touches every area of our lives. Every year of our lives. And he wants to touch every area of, your, of yours, but it starts with asking the question, Lord, what's broken? I mean, it was readily available that this guy could not walk. For us, there's some things like we just don't want to look at and we don't want to acknowledge, but in order for Jesus to fix something, we gotta acknowledge that something's broken. And our relationship with him may not be broken but maybe our hearts are broken. We're here this morning, we're making the effort, but maybe that, that restoration of the fellowship, or maybe there's just been something that's happened in our lives that has just broken us off from that connection, has broken us off for that faith. And, and maybe, it was that, maybe it was that difficult season of life that we went through and you said, you know what, God, I prayed that you would remove this thorn and you didn't. And you know what? Paul prayed the same thing. He said, I prayed three times that God removed this thorn from my flesh. And Paul said, he didn't. But here's what I discovered about God. His grace is sufficient for me. I didn't need that thorn removed to follow him. In fact, I needed that thorn so I could follow him better. I needed that thorn to remind me that I was not God, the world did not revolve around me, that my needs and wants weren't what's most important, that it was about God and turning to him for his strength and his might and his power to do the things that needed to be done. This thorn was just a reminder of my deep and never-ending need for the Lord. Now, I'm paraphrasing a lot of what Paul said, but that's the gist of what he writes in the scriptures. That this thorn was a reminder that God's grace was sufficient for him. And some of us are carrying around thorns. Matter of fact, some of you may be carrying around two or three of them. But some of us are carrying around thorns that God doesn't want us to be stuck with, that we won't do what's necessary for God to be able to remove those things and let us carry on with stuff. And so God meets this man where he is. God meets, uh, Jesus meets us where we are. 
But here's the thing this morning, and and we'll kind of draw up with this, that Jesus is going to send you where the people are. What's our four core values as a church? We gather. We hold that this time together in a more, in the, in, on Sunday mornings for Sunday school, Sunday morning worship, Wednesday night, anytime we gather together as a body of believers, tonight at the, at the, at the, the uh, Valentine's banquet is going to be us gathering. We gather around the gospel. We need one another. So we gather, we grow. This is an oppor- all these are opportunities. As we gather, we have opportunities to grow in the gospel, to understand the gospel, to understand God's word, to let it dwell in our hearts and impact our lives. We give, so we gather, we grow, we give. And we've talked about that, you know, giving financially, giving of our talents and abilities, giving of, of our time, you know, where we give things for the gospel. That when we commit to teach downstairs and we exercise those talents, man, we are, we are giving toward the gospel. We are giving of our time to share the gospel with the students of our church because that's important. That's important. We give our talents when we sing. We give our talents when we pray. You think, well, prayer, prayer is so crucial to what we do as a church. But we give. But what's the last thing we do? Gather, grow, give, go. We go. And that looks like, it looks like it may be going and inviting someone to come to church with us. It may be going and sharing some of our struggles and what God has done in our life and opening up and allowing ourselves to be a little bit vulnerable in a given relationship. And not just keep everybody at arm's length or or body length or whatever length you want to use, but just being open and honest about stuff. But man, look, I'm struggling, right? And having conversations about the struggle. But we go, Jesus sends us to where the people are. And your people are in your workplace. Your people are your neighbors. Your, your people are, the, are the, the groups that you run around with outside of the walls of this church. Those are the people. It's the, it's the families on your, on your child's t-ball team. It's the families on their soccer team, on the upward basketball team. Those are the people that God sends us to so that we can have a kingdom impact in their lives. And it may be as simple as inviting them to come to church. It may be that you need to share with them your testimony and you all have a testimony. It may be that you, that you literally have the opportunity to share with them this beautiful gospel that Jesus has come and he has died for our sins and, and rose on the third day. Like you get to share that with them. It may be that you get to be the one that says, are you ready to be saved? And they say, yes. And you break out with this huge smile and you say, you know what? We can do it right here in the aisle of Walmart. You wanna do that? And when they're ready, they're ready. It doesn't matter where they're at. It's a bigger deal for you to bow your head and pray in Walmart than it is for them to bow their head in Walmart and receive Jesus because they're ready. And what's the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us that the harvest is ready But the laborers, the workers, those that are going out to the harvest is few. There is a harvest that is ready. There are people ready to respond to the gospel. There are people who are hungry for Jesus. They just don't know it yet. 
They're sitting by a pool waiting for the waters to be stirred because they need someone to fix what is broken. But every time the waters stir, there's nobody there to carry him in. Every time life begins to get in turmoil, there's nobody stepping into their life and sharing with them the gospel of Jesus to say, do you want to be made well? This is how it happens. Quit reading the self-help book. Quit waiting on someone else to fix your problems. Quit blaming them on somebody else and come to Jesus. And you know what? We have that. We get to be the one to look at them and say, do you want to be made well? And not say it as as a question, but make an offer to them. Do you want to be made well? Jesus is the way. We get to do that. But Jesus sends us to where the people are. And this is the beautiful thing about the gospel. Jesus sees us and he meets our needs and then he allows us to be part of his plan to going out and winning people who need Jesus. To go out to people who are broken and say, do you wanna be made well? And then he allows us to take part in this process of them coming to the Lord because it may not be the first time we share with them that they go, oh yeah, I wanna be saved. Maybe a process, but then you get to see the fruition of that when you get to look at them and they're like, you know what, I think today, I think today I'm ready to be saved. I think today's the day. I had a, a buddy of mine that we went to Israel with a few years ago who, who the, guy, the guy grew up in church, had walked away, had nothing to do, but, was, but the guy, they would meet regularly just to talk about things and talk about life and um, and the other day he posted a picture on Facebook with this, this buddy of his. And he said, I've, I, I met this guy when I first moved to Phoenix and they've been there like 10 years or something. And uh, he said, I met this guy and today he decided to be a Christian. He decided to make Jesus his savior. And how awesome is that? Sometimes there's gonna be times when we go to a person, we're asking if you wanna be made well and we tell them Jesus the answer and they're ready right then. There's other times where it's gonna take some investment on our part. We're gonna give and we're gonna give and we're gonna give, waiting on that day when they finally, the light bulb comes on and they realize, hey, I need, I need Jesus. But maybe you're here this morning and you're, and you're struggling with something. Listen, Jesus sees you where, you're all, where you are. He sees what you're struggling with. He sees what you're going through. He knows those things. Man, today's the day just to tell him You know what the Bible says? It says to us that Jesus knows what we need. He already knows. And so it says, so ask. Jesus knows what we need, so ask. He already knows. He just wants us to come to him and say, listen, this is what I need. This is what my heart needs. This is what my mind needs. This is what my body needs. This is what I need. And then we go back and we say, okay, Lord, I've told you what I need. So Lord, I need you to tell me what, I, need you to, I just need you to lead my life. Like I just, your will be done on heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. Like you just show me what I need to do and I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna read your word until, and I'm gonna, and, I'm gonna, and when, you, when you show me what I need to go do, I'm gonna go do it. Like I just need you to tell me. And you know what? We say this whatever. Next week we're gonna talk about wherever. And, we, and a lot of us have this idea or whenever. Next week we're gonna talk about whenever. Today was wherever. Here's what we have a tendency to think. 
I can take care of this later. The way I feel God moving on my heart, I can do this wherever. But let me give you a precursor to next week. You can't always do it whenever. There are times when God wants us to move that the time for obedience is right then. That the time for salvation is in that moment because that moment will not last forever. That, that healing may not take place if we don't take advantage of it now. We may, Satan's gonna do battle. And this morning, he's gonna do battle with some of you because some of you need to come up here and kneel at an altar of prayer and you need to ask God for some stuff. Some of you need to come up here and you need to confess some stuff and, and, and get that fellowship and that restoration made whole because sin is separating you from your, in your relationship with the Lord. Some of you need to come and ask for help. Some of you need to come and pray for people. Some of you may need to come and pray for a marriage or a relationship. But some of you need to come this morning. Don't put it off because Satan's gonna do battle with you. But now is the time for, for obedience. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning.